You're listening to an episode of the Break the Cycle podcast on the SVTV network. Now I've had the pleasure of calling a lot of people on the show who I have absolutely loved, right? But this next guest of mine felt like I was catching up with an extremely old friend and the funny part is I was actually interacting with her for the first time. I haven't seen anyone as driven to bring kindness and empathy uh into the boardroom or into the workplace or just in general in people's lives as Maria Kasova. And uh the second I came across her profile on LinkedIn thanks to a mutual friend of ours I knew I had to bring her on the show. So this is me and her uh trying to decode what kindness and empathy mean and how important they are today. Like these are values you need to live by. <laughs> so I hope you enjoy the show and I'll see you guys soon. Bye. We're recording. Wow, we're in action. We're in action. <laughs> It's been a and it actually hasn't because the weird part is the first time i spoke to you which was how many months ago it may have been in june i it think it probably june. was in june a yeah, while ago yeah probably in june yeah june wow and it still feels like we're like catching up like right now <laughs> the first time it we does. spoke in june was like we were catching up and that was the first time we were talking which is just amazing i love how that's <laughs> happened and even now it's like hey how's it going how you been <laughs> I know it I know and I told it it does feel really familiar and comfortable and I told you when we first spoke that I love so much India mm-hmm. and I'm working with a friend of yours and yeah. uh it, it's just I I feel really happy that I'm connected with India because had we not have the the lockdown I would have been visiting by now I would have planned some trip oh, so damn. it's really wonderful awesome. and And you know I was listening I I I told you just before we, when we were warming up that um I've listened to a few of your podcasts and uh, I feel like I've had conversations with you <laughs> because you're such an extraordinary friend host conversationalist <laughs> so you. I'm really grateful to be here and I'm glad that we made it happen and obviously we both also needed some some time off so Absolutely. Absolutely. it's nice to be back now back in action <laughs> I am never going to do that again. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> well, you've been doing it on your videos on Instagram and I love those martial arts uh sort of teaching little tricks. Yeah. So, uh, it's good. <laughs> I've realized there's just far too many parts of me to express in one on one platform in one way or in one video. So, like there's uh there's just like different parts of me are going to show up from time to time. Like my friends have literally gone, "How many of there are you?" I'm like there's just one <laughs> but that that one's kind of split into many <laughs> and you know you know adar to me that's the um symbol or metaphor of breaking the cycle i was thinking exactly about that that you have so many uh, interests you're a musician you're a martial artist even if you're learning still mm. then you you're a marketer communicator and it's something something similar with me and i think probably 20 30 years ago there was kind of an expectation okay you start a job and you become great at it and i think now there's a lot more um flexibility in accepting it we are multifaceted yes yeah. and we have many talents and in one life we can tap into them and let them grow and nurture them and i really love that i think you're it's an amazing role model that you oh, are thank you to let us flourish <laughs> in whatever direction we want that to be <laughs> but enough about me let's talk about you <laughs> <laughs> okay okay you lead the show <laughs> no thank you thank you so much uh, i mean that means a lot to me and thank you so much for coming on the show as well because when renal told me uh, that uh, she's working uh with you and she showed like she basically showed me your profile on linkedin and the first thing that stood out for me was how you described yourself like that i i looked at i mean it's like a linkedin designation and i'm like dude that's the perfect job <laughs> like chief <laughs> kindness and empathy officer i've never heard of anyone describing themselves like that and it's beautiful because there's 
we really need those two things we need those two things more than anything else right now um so my first question to you is how did that come about like how is describe maria the chief kindness and empathy officer <laughs> yes it's interesting adar i only got the courage and and sort of this insight that i really want to go into that direction openly overtly and uh with a lot of drive after the lockdown it was mm-hmm. probably in april before okay. i was um focusing on resilience and i'll tell you how all this came about but it was resilience it's uh, something that has become part of my life because of the way my life unfolded and then i realized that right now with so much going on in a way with so much separation with so much change uh, with so much unpredictability um it's really what makes a difference in the corporate world and the other world is if we can be kind to each other if we can have empathy to at least understand why maybe we are upset one day why the next day we feel on top of the world um why our colleagues are not responding or taking longer to respond and not take it personally and really understand where people are coming from and and i really feel that this is not my mission now i mean i really i want to bring my mission has been and is to bring more love kindness uh empathy and compassion in the corporate world and now i feel brave to state it and uh it doesn't matter if it's wishy washy or whatever for 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 someone it doesn't really matter i believe in that and um yeah the, the way it came about probably i don't know you if you may have jumped uh, or you would have asked me about my my journey but i was reflecting on that when preparing for this and basically um my father was a diplomat so from the age of 6 i had just started going to school in sofia and after 2 months he was sent to geneva and i went to a french school and adar i remember the beginning just being really frightened because i did not speak french i couldn't write it was really the first year of school and uh it, it was scary it was lonely and it took me a while to um integrate to learn the language i remember writing words every day and luckily kids learn very fast but then after that um i was 2 years in sofia then my dad was in kabul and i went to a russian school there and then i went to an english school in ethiopia so i was constantly moving and changing and i know what it means to be an outsider and i learned that really the only way for me to connect and integrate with people was to be genuinely curious not to judge how different they are but to be curious about their tradition about their culture about the language to be kind to focus on the good to smile to make the first step in um communicating and i think that really fosters a lot of resilience um a lot of adaptability but also my ability to communicate and to read the subtleties to read the body language to read and hear that which is said and that which is not said and because i know what it's like to be an outsider I think in a way it's and and I really feel for people who are not treated fairly and and with justice. So I think this has led me to kindness and empathy. You can't really understand others even those who seem weird and sound weird without really trying to at least understand where they're coming from and what's their background and what's the context that has made them who they are in terms of life path, beliefs, etc. you bring me to a very interesting point because you said you you mentioned uh, separation and also people who aren't treated fairly and the strange bit is actually it's not strange um if you look at the current scenario of where we are and i i think the most talked about thing pre- at present is the is the thing that's happening in the US with the black lives matter movement and also in china with the uigur muslims that that are over there um why do you think and i think that this is also a function of kindness and empathy as well where do you think we've lost the plot because you see you see this entire conflict on both sides of one one side uh, kind of um being marginalized and being oppressed 
and people fighting against that whereas you have this other side who is the oppressor and we don't know why we don't know why that's happened we we all hear kindness and empathy being used as words but we kind of lose the plot in the application of it so where where do you think why do you think that's happened and why where or how can we fix that wow there's so much to unpack here adar and uh, i will be honest and my views may be a bit strange uh, mm -hmm. because um where does it come first of all the media I, and i've worked many years in different channels discovery mm -hmm. channel bbc nbc universal and the commercial model there is to um get as many eyeballs as possible and mm -hmm. therefore to sell advertising and you know that better than me because you're yeah. also in a similar field and we know that fear sells oh. and uh so there has been i think it's not necessarily announced but i think that probably what is going on may not be just the only thing that is going on there's only a focus on the division on the fight on the violence or a lot of focus on that but i remember seeing a video which i posted on linkedin which was um white women going to the houses of black women in america giving them food helping police officers hugging white police officers hugging black people you know so i think there probably is a uh, an attempt to reinforce that separation right. now i think the answer is power power they have we have lived in a patriarchal society for a very long time and it's expressed in different cultures differently but it's not just the muslims and the the black people even in india if you think the lower caste oh yeah absolutely the women etc i think there are divisions uh, and and there is one group of people wanting to exercise power over other and i think and i know with me also the the proverbial uh, ceiling glass ceiling for women and for example i think if we I think we know that from psychology. If I choose to see myself as a victim, if when I went to the UK and the first time was 1994, um, I chose to see myself as a Bulgarian, uh, Eastern European, no connections, nothing, no experience in the UK, how could I succeed there? I probably wouldn't have achieved everything, anything at all. But I remember arriving from Ghana in London and walking on Piccadilly Circus, and I had been reading by then the power of positive thinking norman vincent peel and the seven habits uh, for success and i remember walking in just dreaming and thinking i'll take this town and i really make uh make a difference here and and it did happen i grew into an amazing career why because i didn't choose to accept a label and i didn't whatever comments were said i didn't interpret them as oh maybe they think i'm stupid because i'm from bulgaria or you know i don't have not lived here etc so i think to some degree we also can what we choose to believe and the label we choose to give to ourselves then determines how we respond to things and we know that and that's where empathy and kindness can come in because also um i'm involved with a very interesting project um called big bloom and uh, i'll let you have those links if anyone is interested but in big bloom we bring professionals from the corporate world with uh, and those professionals work in a hackathon so over four days they work with one social enterprise and they help solve the challenge so we're going to have our first uk hackathon in october in the middle of october and we're going to work with reclaim and reclaim is an organization which wants to help um young people from working class to get into the corporate world and to fulfill themselves themselves and flourish and i really feel very excited because that's another the reason i bring this up is because first of all i love this work i think it's fulfilling and i've seen how everyone wants to make a difference but that's another also category of uh, discrimination that we don't really talk a lot about the class based discrimination class divide yeah yes yeah, so i think the answer to your question is that I think ultimately it's power and there's still some individuals who want to have power over others and I also believe we have free will 
and I believe that we can make it. And uh, I think there's a lot of kindness and empathy, which just goes unreported. That but even true. what you're doing, what you're doing, and, and uh, this period, and I'll stop in a moment, but this has been a great awakening for me the last, um, whatever, lockdown months and, and post-lockdown. Yeah, speaking to, my language. <laughs> yeah, speaking, listening to different thought leaders, changing my views enormously on some issues and even I am shocked at that but it's all about critical thinking and it's also it's all about also understanding what are our um, unconscious biases and questioning and stepping out of them and being open to me also that's empathy it's okay I've for so many years I've believed in something and now I see maybe a bigger picture and I see something else and I choose to be open-minded and to change my view without wanting to impose it on anyone. So uh, I think there is kindness and empathy being expressed. Um, probably it's not recorded uh, as, as, as much on TV or on radio, but there are channels to get that from. That's true. But do you think, uh, do you think kindness and empathy overall have been misconstrued in a way? Like the understanding of it, like there are a lot of people who think they're being who probably think they're being kind and maybe the intent is that, but the actions don't translate very well or empathy when it comes to language, for example, because uh, I, I say that because um, after speaking to you, I've been noticing a lot of the conversations that have been happening online and these two words show up a lot, right? Uh, especially with regards to the self. Um, which is why I said you're speaking my language, the great awakening. <laughs> but uh, especially with regards to yourself, because I don't think we as people are very kind to ourselves. Or maybe, and we think we're kind to other people. But overall, I believe that that's been, the term has been misconstrued in a certain way. So if you could just maybe help me and everyone else understand what kindness is, what empathy is and what it isn't, because I think that's an important piece as well, what it isn't. Yes. So I haven't really looked up at the definition of kindness, but to mm -hmm. me, kindness means just uh, out, acting out of the goodness of our hearts, acting when we are at our best, um, saying a kind word, looking at the positive actively. And for me, that's a mindset, very actively cultivated. Um, and by the way, I think the, probably the misunderstanding or the myth could be that people could, who are kind and empathetic could be perceived as weak. Well, I think it's actually a strength because we know that if, especially if the going gets tough and we have a bad day, it's very hard to remain kind and positive and nurturing and in fact sometimes we fail and I certainly have failed occasionally and with my my family I've failed Same. and I've regretted so kind is just seeing that making acts of kindness which are unexpected and they're little gestures they're not necessarily a lot and I think also it's just a way of living just walking around and as you said after we spoke you have been seeing kindness and empathy because your attention went there your energy went there so now from everywhere, you hear it, you catch it. And so I wanted to share um, the acts of kindness. There were two things that really touched me during lockdown. One was a friend of mine, very good friend of mine uh, in London, Joanna. Uh, she sent me a card and she said, um, uh, chin up, everything will be fine. You're not alone. And, uh, you know, this was a physical card and I was so touched because I was beginning to struggle with isolation uh. and I just thought it's such a kind gesture and then the other is my sister Luba a couple of times she came and brought to us Banitsa which is like a pastry with Bulgarian feta cheese that she had made herself and I was living with dad in London and we were so happy and it was so great to see her although it was also heartbreaking that we couldn't actually hug and she just stayed outside of our home and um, I've done also acts of kindness. And when we do them, we reward ourselves. Because when we do something like that, and I think you probably know that, our body releases oxytocin. And that's a hormone uh, 
uh, that children feel when their moms hug them. So it's really important to have that human touch, physical touch. But when we have oxytocin, we are relaxed, um, we are open, we are expansive, we are tolerant, we are a lot more productive, and uh, it's way better for us for our health. So committing those acts of kindness, and I think there's a lot of studies that prove that we actually benefit from that. So um, I'm not sure if that answers uh, your question. Uh, and, the, the, and in terms of empathy, what empathy is, so there's three kinds of empathy that Daniel Goldman defined. The first is cognitive empathy. And that's when we understand what the other person is thinking. We understand the context. Maybe we understand with our mind uh, what uh, they feel. And the next level that's a bit deeper is the emotional empathy, where we actually can feel. And I think you and I are empaths, so we can really without even speaking to someone, we can connect and feel what they feel, which is very powerful because that really helps even more to then be kind and, and to, to understand why maybe they act in whichever way they act and to help them. But actually the, the deep and most meaningful level of empathy is compassionate empathy. When we feel, we understand and we act. We want to do something to help them. And uh, I think what it is not, I think it's not to do it at the expense of completely losing oneself, which is what you were saying. We tend to think about doing kind acts of kindness for others, showing empathy for others. And what I've struggled the most, Adar, and I want to encourage listeners to just even in this minute, maybe forgive themselves and show a bit of compassion and self-empathy and kindness towards themselves for the times when they have not been at their best because maybe they were anxious, scared, didn't sleep well, uncertain about the future, or even without knowing why. And let's forgive ourselves because I have struggled. You know, how can I be 80% kind and empathetic and then 20% I'm not kind, for example, with my dad and I say something that's not kind. And then it's taken a lot of effort to forgive. And it's probably still ongoing. But I invite everyone, just remember to be kind. We live in hard times. And uh, when we're more kind with ourselves, we can forgive more easily others as well. And that's how you heal the world. <laughs> yes. You heal yourself, you heal the world. Exactly. Which brings me to healing. Because... Um, I remember the first conversation you and I had and uh, we were talking about, we actually in that catch up moment reach a stage where we were just like, oh, we've both done similar healing work. <laughs> you want to take me through that once? So like, what, how, did you, how did you reach that stage that you knew that you needed to start healing and then do this work as a way forward? Because I feel this as well like i know that break the cycle this this entire podcast for me has been healing work not just for not just as me trying to give it to an, uh, others but also for myself and i feel that uh, what you're doing as well is, is healing work it may not just be for, i mean it may be as a way for other people but it also is for you so if you're comfortable, I wanted to kind of dive into that and figure out what all did you need to heal? <clears throat> yes, I'm comfortable and you're absolutely right. The first area that I started as a coach and a facilitator was confidence. Mm -hmm. And uh, the first courses as well that I was doing that were on a voluntary basis with an organization called IDA in Singapore, where I've lived for 12 years. And uh, Ida was educating the domestic helpers in Singapore, so who were from Bangladesh, India, Indonesia, Philippines, um, India. I don't know if I mentioned India. And so we were, I was conducting seminars there to help them feel confident, feel empowered. So they would stop giving all their money away to their families and they would start saving a little bit. So they could eventually open a little business. 
and maybe break from that cycle of uh, being domestic helpers. And, and some of them actually work in atrocious conditions without arrest. It's very, very difficult. Um, and I was doing, I was teaching them confidence and empowerment and, and um, helping them increase their self-esteem because I didn't have that for a long time. I really didn't have that. I, it's ironic. I am a public speaker, not ironic, actually. I love it. But I remember being at school at, and, and at university at Darren, I remember the um, instructor or the, the tutor asking a question. And I had the answer immediately in my head, but I was so nervous to speak. My heart started beating fast and uh, I would just keep quiet. And then someone would answer. And you know, we know there are people who are always first to speak. And I saw how they built their careers and their brand and they, they, they got some leadership positions within the Komsomol, sort of the socialist youth organization at the time. And uh, I think I wanted to help myself because I didn't believe that I was good enough because I had uh, relationships where I felt I was not treated well and I had been afraid to speak my truth and to just voice what I had been unhappy with. And uh, that is what took me there. And you're right, it was a long journey of um, attending the Landmark Forum, um, starting neurolo learning neurolinguistic programming and doing all the levels and really understanding about the, the power of the mind and how psychology works and the power of the language, uh, doing shamanic courses, learning hypnotherapy, going to a few Tony Robbins events, T. Harvecker, all different areas. And really... And for a long time, you know, with coaching, for example, I think I started coaching probably, <clears throat> excuse me, seven or eight years ago. And by that time, I had probably been studying for 10 years. And Adari took me 10 years to feel confident that I don't need another course. Now it's all about going there and setting the intention to help. And yes, I knew the questions and the models and create that safe space of unconditional acceptance love, kindness, healing, which just this in itself is healing. But yes, I started because I didn't believe in myself. I didn't think I was worth loving unless I gave money, for example. I didn't think I was good enough. And so if I was here when I started, I'm here and there's still a way to go. <laughs> Some days are better than others. <laughs> oh man, we're all on a spectrum. <laughs> <laughs> I'm having because I'm, I say that because I'm having a similar journey. I did I I did the the NLP course as well. I'm in fact still doing it. Um, you and I discussed the shamanic healing course last time because I think I dove head first into that. I didn't even know how. Like I just went like straight into it. And it, um, the reason why this is interesting for me is because I come from a place of massive skepticism because that's who I was like I was skeptical about everything specifically this when it came down to say um, healing uh, specifically because I was like what the hell do you mean what do you need to heal from right like mental health was not a concept earlier but I, I see that it's beautiful to see how we're all on the same journey we're all on the same spectrum as different as we are and we are um, uh, because of multiple reasons, but then I think my belief in the fact that we're all ultimately the same, and I know how that sounds, but from being very different to being ultimately the same at the root of it is just, it goes both ways. It's an, it's an oddly scary feeling and it's an, but it's a very, very kind of joy inducing feeling as well. <laughs> Yes, you know, I, I, you have completely captured my belief mm -hmm. about connecting with human beings and the fact that we are all the same at, at the highest level. I learned uh, in Singapore, so I was there for 12 years and I had a leadership position in different media companies and uh, I did really make a big mistake as a leader. I failed because I was not leading the team in the way that was um, that that was going to be most helpful to them, 
I was macromanaging at the beginning and it was, uh, there was a necessity to be a lot more involved and engaged and to support more so that they could be their best selves. And so I was given a warning and uh, I, three months and I had to turn the situation around. And Adar, it was very humbling because first of all, I saw that when my ego crashed, there was nothing to lose anymore. But I also asked everyone, I apologized to everyone, and I was amazed how kind and forgiving my team were. And they really gave me a second chance. And they opened up to me. And I realized that I had made some massive mistakes, like comparing them to people I had worked with in other countries and judging them in my head on that basis, instead of focusing on what they brought, the incredible knowledge the amazing relationship that they had with our partners in the region, the hard work, um, the, the um, reliability. And so I saw that ultimately I had not given them respect. I had not really recognized their talents. I had not um, helped them to achieve and flourish. And so on that basis, I think that we all, all human beings, we want to be respected. We want to be seen. It doesn't matter how culturally different we are. Maybe there's a, a different ways of expressing it. But I also feel that um, the attitude, the, the, the mindset, and the genuine, authentic respect and appreciation and gratitude and curiosity to understand something that we don't, people feel that. People feel that it doesn't matter what country they're from. What is their status? They feel that and they respond. So um, I think that, uh, yes, it's, it, it's extraordinary, the healing journey. And, and I really think that we have that choice now. Do we focus on what is common and what we all share, the humanity and the oneness? Or do we focus on what is different? You know, I'm black, I'm white, I'm uh, whatever, working class, I'm... A maid, I'm this, that, the other, single, <laughs> no kids, kids, etc. It's it's all labels, but we all yearn for connection, I think, and to belong and to love and feel loved. We're all looking for love ultimately. Yes, mm. yes, we do. And it's a journey. And you know the other thing I, I'm teaching myself now, also with the masks, no masks. You know, lockdown, no lockdown, you know, physical distance, no physical distance and all that. And it's a bit difficult occasionally. That's now when my empathy and my compassion, I wanted to show through. And I want to be tolerant towards people who are on a different uh, part of their journey and who have different views. And this has become very obvious now when you walk on the street and, you know, some people have masks and some don't. So it's in our face. It is. The, the differences, I feel the differences are so apparent. We've made it that way. I mean, we've, that, that's been there for the big, from the beginning. White, black, straight, not straight, um, conservative, liberal. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I'll be honest, it gets, I really begin to lose it from time to time when I see stuff like this because and um, because I see a very um, apparent divide amongst all of us like you've got especially I mean I, I speak with reference to India but world over as well the, the, the divisiveness and the focus on the difference is so much and it's amplified it's amplified by the fact that uh, oh, you're intolerant and you're, you don't respect differences. I'm, but then neither are you. I mean, at your <laughs> end, you may be on a moral <laughs> high ground, but still, you're saying the same yeah. thing. The statement is an evidence of the opposite. <laughs> <laughs> it's perpetuating difference. <laughs> but uh, I'll get to that uh, in a in a bit, but... I think from a, I think one area of interest that I really really have is is kindness at the workplace, and I think that's an area that you've uh, you are kind of working with and you have been working with. 
what do you think and this is me kind of trying to shed light on where the differences lie where do you think the gaps are in understanding because i may be i may be a manager at my company and i may be working with the team and i may think that i am doing this for their betterment but they may not perceive it that way but you do have absolutes like there are, we have like i said there are differences but there are absolutes as well when you talk about kindness at a workplace so yes, when you're working with it- a team when you're working with a team i'll just make it as black yeah. as crystal clear as possible when you're working with a team um whether you're a leader or uh, or not or you're just a member of that or you're not in that leadership position at that inside that team just as a team member what are, what is the culture you need to try and inculcate and how so are there some actionable steps that we can get to that so i really i think it's a really important issue and there is a bit of a paradox uh, i was even recently on a call with a client and we were talking about some new programs and what the workplace of the future and by future i mean the next 6 to 12 months is going to look like mm-hmm. because it seems that there'll be a lot most of the workforce will be dis, uh, distributed few people in the office uh inability to be in the same space and to really foster that human connection that is so 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 essential so what are the ways leaders or even team members can be kind i would start first be kind with yourself and something we have noticed and i have heard in so many virtual training sessions i've done that some people say i'm actually working harder there's no more boundary between work life and home life and there seems to be an expectation because we're constantly at home some people and some leaders expect a 5 minute reply to an email yeah expect immediate action so i think uh and and on the one hand leaders need to ensure that their companies survive even if not thriving so that there's work there's good performance um everything changes fast the trust strategies are reviewed but on the other hand to be human and kind and empathetic and understand that some of the their team members if not all struggle and so how to answer specific steps which could be uh used whether you're a leader or not we all are leaders we lead ourselves and we have an impact on the team by who we are it doesn't matter it's not a question of hierarchy i think it's to intentionally um maybe start a meeting for example start a meeting a zoom meeting or webex or whatever the platform is with let's share something beautiful the three whys what went well in the last week and it can be personal it can be um professional but really showing an interest and i think this is very important we need to move away from the transactional communication or we want to move away from transactional communication in our meetings now because it's more difficult it's a lot more difficult when you're at home when you're cooped up with your kids your pets everyone is at home and that is how by asking even if you're a very analytical or driver person and you just want to get the results and you haven't got time for small talk now is the time to have it something positive or say something what is something um that um what is a weird thing that you bought last the most strange thing that you bought last weekend or last month or what is it that you watched on netflix that you really liked or you thought was crazy something that connects us on a human level so one is the three whys another one is just some other question which is again to connect on a human level uh so that then we can ease ourselves into the transactional discussions and you know going through the agenda and taking the decisions and uh, i also think that the third <clears throat> element of kindness and empathy helps inclusion so inclusion now again it's the uh, antidote of separation so it's a very big theme in the corporate world and a very big concern and we have introverted members of the team and even in zoom meetings now we have noticed if we are more than 5 6 people it can get can get chaotic and some people don't say anything and they shut their cameras yes exactly <laughs> they either so, shut their cameras or be on mute 
Yes. And, and in fact, I know from friends also that they keep doing the emails and, you know, they're just listening with one ear. So maybe a show of kindness, a third way to express it is, first of all, to be more selective in who needs to be at the meeting. We don't need 10 people. Maybe we need only five. Secondly, we don't need an hour. Let's make it half an hour. Let's do a bit more prep, think, send the agenda in advance, maybe even stand, not just sit the whole time so you know, we are in pain because we are sitting for hours on end. Make it short. And also set the engagement in a way that you as a leader of the meeting, the facilitator, you say, I really would love to hear from everyone. Everyone has one minute to share and every opinion matters. And if somebody's going on, maybe even seeking in advance permission, I'm sorry, I'll have the buzzer. Let's just make sure everybody speaks. Because until you've spoken, you've not been seen. And I think now is the time when we also need the opinions, even more than before, of introverted people who may need to reflect a little bit. They don't have the answer before you've even finished speaking the question. So making sure that the meetings, the gatherings are inclusive, as you said, camera on, mic on, if possible. Really think hard who needs to be there. And I'm not counting, I lost count. I don't know if it's number five or six, but also just have social gatherings. And I know I have some people that I work with, I coach their teams. They have Zoom drinks once uh, a month and they've got the babies on the lap. <laughs> and, oh. you know, you've got the dogs, the cats, the sound, the delivery man is ringing. Okay, I'll go and, you know, get the delivery. <laughs> the drink, whether it's tea, coffee or, or an alcoholic drink, really connect and look at each other only with a social agenda of connecting, having a laugh, doing quizzes in London and the UK. I don't know about India, but you know, people love quizzes. So they do sometimes quizzes with their colleagues. So really showing that interest for the human. I think that's how kind We have open mic night. <laughs> so, oh, yeah, we, you have we to tell this... me. I'd love to attend something like that. <laughs> we, uh, we at the office have this thing, uh, have uh, different things. So like every Thursday morning, the team's going to get together. We're going to do something. We're either going to learn or we're just going to hang out. So like yesterday was Pictionary. So everyone, like our cameras were still off. Our cameras were still off, but everyone was drawing something. Um, and open mic, open mic's a little selective because you've got like 200 plus people. Not everyone can be on with their cameras and stuff. Yeah. But, uh, it, it was fun because I think these little initiatives kind of help, but you're right. I think because that was at an organization level, um, and I'm going to bring it back. I'm going to bring it away from the leaders a bit because I think, uh, I tend to be, I tend to be a little more, uh, focused on them than the members of the team. But I think I want to bring it back to those guys, bring it back to the members and not the leader because the leader may try, but if you are still going to be in that, you know, in that closed sort of shell and not open up or at least choose not to, then, then it's not really going to make much of a difference. Is there? Because then it comes back to the same point. If, if you, because ultimately, yes, if we're all ultimately looking to be seen, if we're all ultimately looking to be loved, when you have the opportunity to be seen and you don't take it or you choose not to take it, where's like, then how do you, how do you, how would you expect to be seen if you're not going to show up? Well, then maybe we need to respect their free will that they don't want that. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think that's how we can express our kindness and empathy. Mm -hmm. I think though, and, and you know, when I was talking about the meeting, I didn't mean leader. I meant the meeting organizer. Of course. Because I'm a trainer and I'm a facilitator and a coach, I really believe that I can uh, pace and lead. And you know that from NLP. Mm -hmm. If we create the space and that means... I'm first to share vulnerability. I'm first to share an, an honest story about something mm -hmm. that maybe has made me very happy or have been upset. And I personally don't even hide. If I feel teary, then that's okay. But that's my choice. I think people feel, and it's extraordinary, Adar. I remember being with a colleague and it was just a female. It was for a bank and it was uh, um, only women were the participants. We had about 50 women. 
And the topping was managing uncertainty, but actually it became about dealing with grief, with grief. Because in the context of grieving for our old life, and a lady felt safe enough to ask, how do you grieve about someone who has just passed away? And it was such an extraordinary, honest, emotive discussion, which totally didn't follow the slides that we had. And we felt we had to actually talk about that and also about being a parent with compassion and how do you deal with kids who are going through so many differences. So I think back to your point, on the one hand, let's respect people may not want to be seen. Mm -hmm. And you and I have had times when we do not want to be seen. And let's honor that. Right. On the other hand, let's create a setting where people feel safe. Psychological safety is so important in collaborating, creating, generating solutions, building connections, building trust. We need to feel safe and then create that space. Collaboration, not competition. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> the pie is endless and grows all the time. We don't need to take a piece of it because it's enormous. Yeah. There's enough pieces of the pie for everybody, Everyone. every company, every team. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, man. I mean, you and I could go on ours for this. <laughs> <laughs> we could. I know. <laughs> What are some, uh, so, um, what are some of the, uh, as a coach, um, what are some of the common questions or issues you had to look at? Because, and this is, and I could be wrong, but my perception of this, at least from, from looking at multiple people lately has been the root of all issues is the same. The, the verbiage used or the way it's expressed may be different. So do you think that's true? Have you kind of, do you see an underlying commonality in the issues that, or the questions that you've had to address or is it, or is it still as unique as the individual itself? I agree with you. I think there's a certain commonality of uh, feeling that I'm not good enough, mm -hmm. feeling that um, I'm inadequate. Uh, I constantly need to do something. Something is missing in me. I'm not worthy of love. I'm not worthy of um, appreciation. I'm not worthy of promotion. The mm -hmm. classical thinking for the um, imposter syndrome. Imposter syndrome, exactly. <laughs> I think this new usually it goes very deep and and it stems from different reasons, you know, in childhood, etc. And events that happened and that we formed stories, as we know, and then these stories continue to rule us. Um, and that how it can be manifested on a higher surface is, for example, uh, being afraid to speak in meetings. Mm -hmm. Even if you're in a very senior position, you don't want to. You don't want to really put your hand up. Or even when you're expected to contribute, you don't because you feel really stressed and you have anxiety. Um, it is uh, not being able to set, especially I see that now, setting the boundaries and saying, I don't really have any capacity to do this today. Can I please do it next week? But not having the courage to have that conversation mm -hmm. with a colleague or with a leader. Uh, I see it as um, not um, feeling that I deserve to be promoted. So I've worked with people who have been in the role, for example, for five years, and they want to be promoted, but they don't know how to have the conversation. And deep down, they don't believe they are worthy. Mm, so yeah. it's, and, and also a lot of anxiety now and a lot of concern what is going to happen. So in, in, the, in the context of resilience. And so I, I want to describe myself as a tour guide who takes a person on a journey and we go treasure hunting. And so we want to hunt for the qualities, the strengths of that person, their victories, their failures and what they have learned and how they have actually transformed as a result, their aspirations, their ability to envisage what they want after understanding what they don't want uh, and this gives me an enormous fulfillment and so the the yes the root is different but i think deep down the root cause is quite similar my face is hurting because i'm smiling that much <laughs> 
Oh, I know, I know. It's extraordinary, <laughs> actually, it's extraordinary. I'm, uh, you know, I'm, I'm bursting with, with love and with positivity and um, admiration for this opportunity and for you for what you're doing. And I do hope that our conversation is going to help at least one other person. I, I, I really better hope it to does. Have more faith. I really, I, really hope so. And I think it will because, I mean. I think we've been talking for about, I guess, I don't know, 40 minutes oh. or so. Oh, yeah. yeah. I think maybe even more. Maybe You're even maybe more. Surprised. And, <laughs> and throughout, I've just been like, oh, my God, like there is. I mean, there's separation if you create it, there's unity if you create it. And I'm talking to a person who is on the same spectrum as I have been. The visuals of my journey may have been different, but the the way the place where we're trying to reach and the understanding that we have of it is is the same and it's beautiful to see because again, like the the interpretation of the experience, the circumstances of the experience may be different, but the feeling that I'm getting is like you're in Bulgaria, I'm in India and I still feel connected. <laughs> Yes, I know. <laughs> exactly. Absolutely. I feel like giving that's a virtual mm. hug. So I'm giving you a virtual hug. <laughs> and it's safe as well, right? Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> Sorry. So I am going to move on to my last question, which is where can these people reach out to you? Because I think they really should hear what you have to say. And more importantly, reach out to someone who can help. And I think you can help them immensely. Oh, thank you so much, Adar. You're really kind. People can find me on LinkedIn, Facebook, um, Instagram. It's Maria Kosova. On Instagram is at Maria Kosova, one word. And also my website is uh, mkmotivation.com. So I'll, you'll be able to put this in the notes. Mm -hmm. And uh, I would love to help anyone um, who wishes because... Uh, um, yeah, we're all we're all in a in a same storm and different boats. And um, if that journey can be made a bit easier, then uh, we owe it to ourselves because there's still a lot of amazing beauty and kindness happening in the world. So that is. I invite people to focus on that and to focus on their own beauty and kindness and strength. And um, this is this too shall pass. And we we're all in this together. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> Maria, thank you so much. This is such a beautiful conversation. Easily one of my favorites. Oh, thank you. Thank you, Adar. I loved it as well. And uh, hopefully one day, maybe next year, you will, you will be a guest to my podcast, which oh. now is just an idea. <laughs> but hopefully next year it will be alive. I will be honored. I will be honored. Thank you so much for that. Thank you. <laughs> All right, I shall speak to you soon.